0: Welcome to the Magic Weekly Podcast, Monday, February 10th. I'm your host, Jake Chapman. Uh, busy week coming up here for the Magic. Got two games, Monday and Wednesday, and then the All-Star break. Very much welcomed by this team, this group right now. it's uh, It's been a rough go as of late. The Magic have lost eight of their last nine and clearly a pretty banged-up team. You do expect D.J. Augustine to come back after the break. That will obviously help out quite a bit, but more than anything, I think this team just needs a couple of days off. A couple of days out of the gym. I think clearly they're physically burnt out, but I think they're kind of mentally burnt out as well. There's just been a whole lot of ups and downs this season when you consider the injuries, not just the players that you lose, but the players who are left behind needing to adjust to new faces uh, and new rotations and, and and player pairings and groupings out on the floor. So, uh, look, very much still in the mix for that eighth playoff spot. Very much still in the mix for the seventh playoff spot, but you're going to have to come back strong after the All-Star break. Right now, nine games under 500 at 22-31. You get the win last week. Three-game roadie last week. Start out with a good win over the Charlotte Hornets on Monday. Play very well on Wednesday against the Boston Celtics, but you come up short in that game. And then a really tough loss Thursday night against the New York Knicks. Make the trade on Thursday to bring James Ennis in. We expect to see him uh, probably tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Tough loss against the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday night at Amway Center. That's a very good team. I think the Magic played pretty well, They just weren't able to hold on for that one. So Atlanta tonight, Detroit Wednesday, it'd be outstanding if you could gain a little momentum heading into the All-Star break, and then you come back, and it's a mad dash to the finish uh, after the All-Star break, but certainly a couple days off, going to do everybody a little bit of good. My guest for this week's edition of Magic Weekly is on the home stretch. He began with the Detroit Free Press in 2002. Wednesday night in Orlando will mark his final Pistons game on the beat. He'll be moving on to bigger and better things. I spent a lot of time with him in my four years in Detroit. Great reporter, and I consider him a great friend as well. Vince Ellis joins me today from the Detroit Free Press. Hey, Vince, how are you, man? What's up, Jake? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. A little banged up this time of year, as I'm sure we all are. But uh, you've got um, you've got some brighter things on the horizon, which I want to get to here in just a minute. But I want to uh, I, I, I want to start with the with, with current events as far as the team goes, um, and sort of pry that out of you uh, uh-huh. initially. I'm sure um, you're kind of, you kind of got one eye on the future right now. But this Pistons organization, Vince, they finally pulled the trigger last Thursday. They traded Andre Drummond to Cleveland for John Henson, Brandon Knight and a second-round pick. I know a lot of Pistons fans were underwhelmed by the return, Uh, the same Pistons fans who often told you that you never win anything with Andre as your best best player. But, uh, (laughs) Vince, your reaction to the deal, and then I guess just where the Pistons are right now as an organization.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. It was funny uh, listening to some Twitter fans or Twitter Pistons fans. They said for two years, Andre's above. He's awful. He sucks. He's He's bad. He's bad. He's bad. And then when they get a second-round pick, could not the Pistons have gotten more for a bad player? <laughs> it was comical, actually. Just <laughs> look at some of the reactions on Twitter, and I still chuckle at it. But that being said, um, as I've reported uh, constantly over the last couple of years, there's very little trade value for Andre. And, you know, the Pitchers have pretty much been thinking about trading him for at least it's, it's Stefanski. Uh, took over. Heck, even Stan, obviously, you know, um, I think he almost had a deal almost in place, but uh, Tom mixed it. So always trading Andre Drummond was always a possibility. He was not going to serve out the entire contract here. Um, But, you know, Atlanta Atlanta stuff popped off, and I guess they were down the road there a bit. Um, But but, um, the Pistons... They gave the Hawks permission to talk to Andre and his representatives, and they could not come to an agreement on an extension. Uh, so the Hawks backed out, and sure enough, uh, the Pistons waited about as long as they could, and you know that they, they may have could have held on to him and maybe seen what happens um, this off season. But the prospect of him picking up that twenty-eight point seven million dollar player option. For next year, uh, you know what, they blinked. They said, you know what, let's just go ahead and move on from this and at least get the cap space. All we're getting is a second-round pick. Uh, people called it a ham sandwich or a rusty rim, or whatever you want to call it. They didn't get a whole lot return. return. Um, obviously, Brendan Knight and John Henson were part of that, that deal, but they were just salary fillers. So, um, so, there. so that's where they are. They've moved on for Andre after seven and a half years. Uh, you know, uh, Andre – um, there's a lot lot a lot of flush there. Uh, worry about he worries about things he shouldn't worry about. Um uh, the long touches and you know, when all all he probably should be concerned with in this game is rim running, um, playing defense, rebounding, um, and you know, get a touch occasionally, but he you know he wants to be focal part of offenses. So he worries about stuff he shouldn't worry about. Um he's a stat chaser. Uh, but that being said, he's a good player and Anyone who for – the, for the negative people who were glad to see that they come or were uh, popping champagne bottles, the pistons are not better now. But, you know, it's a step. Um, it's not a good step or a bad step. Uh, now what happens with $35 million in cap space? Do they um, do something stupid or do they do what I think they should do? Be patient. Be on the lookout, obviously, to try to use that, use that space to absorb – Good money, or even this, you know, maybe take back bad money, but they give me a first round pick for it. You know, similar uh, circumstances what other people have done that have done this stuff well. So just use that cap space wisely, and it can be a good step. But if they just go back to spending wildly on creatives, chasing um, seven or eight seed, it would be a, just be another step, and you're running in circles. So um, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting you bring that up because. Pistons fans are, and sometimes rightfully so, uh, I guess once bitten twice shy about having cap space because they have this assumption nobody's going to want to come to Detroit. We're going to have to pay the Detroit tax. If we have $35 million, what does it mean if we're going to overpay for... Ben Gordon, Charlie or whatever. You can pull the guys from the past that didn't work out. But like you said, it doesn't have to be that simple. What it does is it just gives you flexibility. And now, you know, you're just opening up an array of options, whether or not it's a full rebuild, whether or not you are bringing in somebody this summer um, with that cap space. You have options that you wouldn't have had had he opted in, or uh, even more so had you signed him to a, to a big extension. It just gives you, it gives you some leeway. And as we know, in Detroit right now, I mean, the Blake Griffin thing is, is still a big question, but there are some young pieces that they are going to want to build around moving forward. Luke Kennard's one of those guys. We'll see what happens with Christian Woods. Fee's been playing very well as of late. You want to make sure you have an eye on the future, and the best way to sort of nurture and develop those guys is is to maintain flexibility.
1: Yeah, and you know, and I I keep having to repeat that on on Twitter. It's not about the fact that Detroit's afraid of destination. I mean, but how many freighted destinations are there in the league? right Did you say Jake?
0: a a handful I mean, Five, yeah six?
1: um so, but there are franchises like Utah and Indiana and Toronto and all these places who have somehow figured it out to have a put, a put a good product on the floor every year without being a freighted destination. The Pistons are trying to become one of those franchises um and I, so the for the naysayers uh, again, I understand being skeptical, they haven't done a whole lot. To make you uh, 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 confident in their next steps, but you know that's what the when they got traded for Marcus Morris and Tobias Harris, which were good trades, they were able to absorb those contracts because they had cap space when other teams were trying to move on from those contracts. Yeah. Um, recently, just last year, uh, Memphis they turned cap space into they were able able to take Andre Iguodala and they turned Andre they were able to take Andre Iguodala's cap pit, they will turn that into a first-round pick, and Justice Winslow, uh, uh, a 23-year-old former pick, under a nice, affordable contract. So that's the kind of stuff you can do when you have cap space, and that's all the Pistons is trying to do. They don't have their eyes on some major free agent, at least what I'm what I'm told. Matter of fact, I would I would expect because of this upcoming summer where there will not be a lot of phrasing activity, the Pistons will probably try to retain some of that cap space. You know, they'll do enough around the edges to fill out a roster or uh, you got to spend a certain, certain, certain amount of money, but if I'm the Pistons, I'm trying to have cap space for next trade deadline, when folks start jockeying for the summer of 21 exactly. um, to free up the cap space and stuff, then you might be able to get someone, okay, we, we want to get off this contract. Okay, all right, got to give the first round pick for it. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that Pistons are going to be in position to do. Um, so as they, re- as they go through this rebuild.
0: What's it been like covering Dwayne Casey, Vince? I mean, I was with you there when Stan was there, and and obviously covering Stan is a treat for everybody uh, because he's so open and honest with everything. It is a treat for everybody as far as the media goes. But what's Dwayne been like?
1: He's fine. Um, I, was, I was pretty fortunate to be able to um, have two guys like that. No one tops Stan when it comes to media coverage. But Casey's fine. He understands how to tell a story. He understands our needs. Um, what the job requires. He has no problem fulfilling his his uh, uh um, um um responsibilities there he's um uh, approachable he's accessible um so yeah I have I think I'm pretty fortunate to go off into the sunset with two pretty interesting guys. So again, no one top fans when it comes to
0: that stuff. How would you characterize Pistons fans, Vince? I I you know I'm from Cleveland. You're from uh, you're from the South, but you've been in Detroit for a really long time. I expected very similar to, to Cavs fans, but it's a little bit different because Detroit had this heyday. They had 20 years where, you know, every couple of years, one of the teams was either in a championship game or winning the championship. And then it's been bad, really, for 10, 15 years now, basically, uh, since the Red Wings haven't been very relevant. Yeah. Seven, um,
1: eight years ago. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, maybe 10 years now. Um, and, and the Pistons have been, I mean, you're talking about what was once one of the best three or four franchises in the league, and it's been a long time since they've been at or anywhere near the top of the Eastern Conference, about a decade as far as that goes as well. What is the, how do you characterize the Pistons fan base right now? Because uh, they're a fascinating bunch for sure.
1: Well, usually I would say is that I do think sometimes we make the mistake, and me included, of saying Twitter, talk radio callers. Um, the hardcore people who listen to this stuff and um are have very shr- shrill uninformed, at times uninformed opinions. I say I use that term, um, as being representative of the entire fan base, you know. Um you know, the funny thing about it, you know, if you listen to people on Twitter, there's no way in the world or there's no reason for the people to retain Derek Rose. Right. But it's funny. At the Y, when I'm at the bar, people come up to me who follow the team. You know what they ask me? Why in the hell would the Pistons trade Derrick Rose? Mm. And people, we always underestimate that fan. You know, the fan who follows it, and he could they could see the benefit of having Derrick Rose around. They're not they're not all about the assets and the process and just everything you get to sell everything off. Because you know, they those are there are people who still go to Pistons games and they hope the team wins. You know, that's that's kind of a novel concept that there are people out there like that. But I would argue with you that there are more of them out there than there are the people calling the talk radio and the Twitter. And that's one of the things that franchises have to walk that line between the loud voices that call in the talk radio all the the loud sports talk hosts or the newspaper columnists who call for them to tear everything down. They still have a a huge part of their fan base who – don't are not engaged or plugged in like that, but you know what? They do pay. They do buy tickets. They still consume the product. They still watch on TV. So that would always make the dance a little bit more complicated than what we are sometimes led to believe. But you know, uh, we when you look at Twitter, Twitter's uh, numbers very small part part of the compu- population. People call it talk radio very small part of the population. Um, and I do think we make a we make a mistake by they're loud and we see it. But it's not necessarily representative of what everyone thinks. You know, so that's that's one thing I would say about that.
0: Wednesday here in Orlando will be your last game on the beat. What was your first game? Or when did you start? I started in 8 In 8 on the Pistons beat. So over a decade covering them. Would you say that that's one of the biggest sort of transformations as – as we escorted Twitter in and social media in and I always go back I think it had a lot to do with video games like Madden where you now we're not playing as the players anymore we're playing as the general managers and we're doing franchise mode I do feel like over the course of my career I started in 06 over the course of my career one of the biggest transformations has been exactly what you just said, Vince. We're more concerned now with cap space and assets, and we all fancy ourselves amateur general managers. And if you go on NBA Twitter, that's a large part of what we do. There are entire podcasts devoted to uh, you know staying under the cap and and and, and having free cap space and um, and mid level exceptions and all of that stuff. We have gotten away from the actual games, and I think that's what you were talking about. As far as the guy at the Y, he knows just as much about basketball as anybody else does he might just not know you know the inner mechanics uh, of the collective bargaining agreement but those guys deserve voices as well too
1: exactly and I would add another thing to that uh to the NBA 2k stuff fantasy about sports yes you make trades you ain't got to worry about uh angering a player when you trade him you ain't got to worry about managing a locker room if you decide to bottom out that's the uh because some of that stuff sometimes you get the human element of this stuff yes. as well yes so, um, so yeah, so I so I completely agree. It's made it so people just don't people just don't, you know, uh, uh so things have changed in sports, you know, and again, like I said, it's not everyone though. And that's one of the we make that mistake of when we say, Well fans want this, fans want this. No, actually what fans want is a lot more complex and nuanced than what you would hear from on uh talk radio or uh, Twitter or any other any other n- number of sources out there.
0: How has the player changed uh, over a decade covering the NBA uh, with the Detroit Pistons? How has the NBA player changed? Because the money's changed a bit. I mean, obviously, the big TV deal a couple years ago uh, sort of, you know, catapulted certain guys into different stratospheres that they never would have been in. But you know, I, sometimes I feel like we do this this good old days stuff, and I'm like, you know, the professional athlete. Some of the figures have changed, and maybe the fame and perception has changed, but the professional athlete probably hasn't changed that much over the last 20 years or so. How have you seen it change, Vince?
1: Obviously, social media is a big part of that. Uh, Players can bypass traditional mainstream media and kind of get their own message out there to the fans, and that's probably led to a more of a... uh, uh, where it's tougher maybe to get closer to players because they don't need you. Uh, and also the point where the teams have also uh, access has been restricted over that 11 years. Uh, the Even the uh, PR staff and stuff, they're not as I guess, helpful. is not the word I would look for, but, they're not maybe as accommodating as they used to be. Uh, so that would say that's probably the main change. So developing relationships with, with players is probably probably difficult. Like over the years, I had relationships with Tracy McGrady. I had a good relationship with Allen Iverson. Um, ben Wallace back in the day. But like on the current team, you no, know, just by the mere fact that I was around him for seven and a half years, me and Andre had a solid relationship. Um, but, you know, my, my relationships on the current team aren't that. And part of that is, you're not around them like you used to be, and also I'm not a I'm not a, a- kisser by nature. So <laughs> that probably yeah, to hurt, hurt me too. <laughs>
0: yeah, I would think that sometimes would be an issue. No, that's a good point though. I mean, they these guys are. And and some guy, you know, you shouldn't. We, we shouldn't paint them all with a wide brush. Some of them are not as concerned uh, with their brands as other guys are. They just don't need the traditional forms of media as much. And God, when you and I started, you know, uh, PR staffs didn't even allow bloggers in. And if they didn't now, who would write about the team anymore? Right? If you don't have yeah. guys writing blogs in there, I mean, Lord knows, uh, every newspaper's down to one beat writer, if that. Um, you know, the, the actual writing about it is is probably largely uh, one of the big things that's changed there's just not that many not that many outlets anymore
1: correct so uh like i said the the media landscape has changed obviously you know the 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 mainstream medias are struggling and that's pretty much all outlets when you think about newspapers radio tv they're all under stress because the uh, ways of making money when we started are not nowhere near as profitable as they once were um so that's led to a change as well so I mean, a lot of things have changed. Uh, the rise of social media, uh, the lessening of mainstream media, uh, uh, teams maybe not being as accessible as they once were, players not being as accessible as they once were. It's a lot. Just a, just a whole landscape has changed. Almost in like eleven and a half years, I've been doing this.
0: Who are your favorite players to cover? Who who gave who gave you something that you that you thought yeah. I. I didn't expect the, the ad answer to come from that guy because some of these guys, you know, you, you talk to them and you see them out on the floor, and then once they open their mouths, it, you know, you, it, it's a 180 from what you expected. Who are the most interesting guys over your time?
1: Well, Allen Iverson is still the most fascinating guy I've ever covered. Mm. I got him my first year on the beat. Uh, 57 games he spent with the Pistons. Um, seeing someone who obviously first got a Hall of Famer, a huge part of, Introducing or really letting the NBA embrace hip-hop culture, um, you know, when you when you think about the dress code and all that stuff, you know, the, the league was it at first. Uh, th- to think about that now, that whole because you know they're trying to worry about the white corporate image that, that they're trying to project yeah. or trying to uh, 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 sell to white uh, corporate corporate America, but you know now the league, you know, we may go see the league now and I think hip-hop players. On a nightly basis, um, the the what players are wearing, uh, like almost like a red carpet uh, feel to it. How games are so that changed. A lot of that was started by Allen Iverson. So uh, seeing this guy, this iconic NBA figure, come into the come to the Pistons and completely wreck that locker room, <laughs> um, you know, just because he was delusional about. How his game had diminished and so he didn't want to believe that his game was diminished and did not want to come off the bench he was still the guy and basically how the Pistons traded the ultimate glue guy and Chauncey Billups for Allen Iverson and you know it's still a trade that the franchise probably had to recover from so uh, matter of fact that's the line of that's the line when everything was sweet that trade, everything's been bad ever since. So it's uh, uh, something that happened almost like 11 and a half years, seasons ago. So he's by far the most fascinating and com- good, great, great uh, interview. Because he said whatever came up to his mind. He had no filter. Uh, but again, like I said, he was definitely by far the most com- interesting guy I've ever covered.
0: It's, a, it's weird when they get to that point, isn't it? I remember. Um oh, I'm trying to think of what year it would have been. Maybe oh nine or ten. Tracy comes back here, but it's after the mm-hmm. back. He's with the Knicks and I, and he's just working his way back. And the Knicks had an okay roster at the time, but he wasn't I mean, he wasn't Tracy anymore. That back was really, really getting to him. Um I guess this would have been before San Antonio and Detroit, but towards the end. And he comes back here and we're all asking him questions. I said, you know. You know, with the back and while you're working back from injury, you know, would you accept a a six-man type role? Would you accept uh, a bench role with this team? And he said, the bench— I ain't falling off that bleeping much, and he said to me. He was, like, offended that I even asked the question. I'm thinking to myself, Tracy, at some point, and we all love Tracy, and Tracy's always been great with the media, I'm going, at some point you're going to have to accept that that is your new role and that is going to be, you know, you're sort of on the on the back nine here, Tracy, but competitors like that, it just, it doesn't come easy for them. I mean, they almost needed to slap him across the face at some point. Uh, they don't want to be asked by some, you know, radio guy if they're ready for a pen troll just yet.
1: You know what? You should ask that question,
0: Jake. I'm
1: with Tracy, man. You know, just stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Tracy was here, as you mentioned, out for a season, and he was pretty fascinating too. But again, Allen Iverson the tops them all.
0: Uh, interesting. We're talking to Vince Ellis, uh, wrapping up his time with the Detroit Free Press. Been a great job covering the team over these last uh, what eleven seasons or so. So Wednesday is it? Wednesday's the last game, right, Vince? That's it.
1: I'm uh, I have a few more things to do. I got to write until the weekend, so basically, I'm hoping to have everything uh, that I need to write or need to uh, 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 my free press writing responsibilities. I'm hoping to have wrapped up by Thursday evening.
0: Very nice, very nice. Um, I won't ask you about what's coming next professionally. What's coming next immediately and personally? Like, I'm sure you're going to take some time off. I'm sure you're going to bounce around to some of your favorite restaurants because I know that that's something you enjoy doing. Maybe some time back home in Alabama. Here's the question: Will you watch basketball for a couple weeks, or are you doing the like extraction thing? Like, get me out of here. Let me clear my mind. Get away from hoops for a little while, and I'll come back for the playoffs.
1: Well, actually, you know, I I plan on starting work. Next month, okay. it looks promising. Obviously, I can't talk a little ho- whole lot about what it will be. Uh, matter of fact, matter of fact, I, while I'm still doing this, <laughs> I probably got a good idea to be talking about <laughs> what I'm doing next. So, uh, but like I said, that looks promising. But that being said, I do plan on taking a couple weeks off, and the cool part is I plan on or plan on I'm going to be in Florida after uh, going to obviously cover I'll be down there starting. Um, tomorrow, and then um, obviously I leave for the weekend. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to have a pool day even though I gather it's going to be a little cooler on Friday than normal, uh, but I'm leaving Saturday, come back to Detroit, wrap up my uh, final days with the free press, and then the following weekend, 21st to the 24th, I'm going down to Bradenton, Florida to check out some Pirates Spring Chains nice. with my boy, and we're going to drink and party, and I'm going to enjoy being at an exploring event that I not have to cover. Um, so that's kind of my first getaway, and of course, you know, um I plan to travel in the upcoming year um one of the things about this job um you don't have a lot of freedom because you're always worried about something happening that ruin whatever you're doing, so I am looking forward to the next chapter of being away from this and I've always told this on twitter i am a I am the epitome of a casual basketball fan um uh, now that I'm not in it i Seriously, I'll be watching a whole lot of basketball. Of course, big nights, uh, playoffs. Um, I'll tune in then made finals and stuff like that. But the, the days of needing league pass are over. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that,
0: that. Do you think is that the toughest part? Because people look at what you and I do, and they and you know a, a lot of people will will tell us you know point blank. I would love to have your job, and and absolutely like you and I are both lucky to have done this for as long as we did um, and are doing it. But I but sometimes I say you know you got to flip flip it and think about the other side. Like I was a diehard NBA fan. I still am and. That's why I do it. But at the same time, when you sort of see how the sausage is made, that can change your perspective a little bit. And then I think you hit on it, the idea that, this, I mean, this is so 24-7. Even when you're in the offseason, you never know when the trade's going down. That's going to draw you right <laughs> back into work. You always have to be plugged in. And I think that, I, that sense, the sense that you don't get off work at 5 o'clock and leave it at home, you don't get your two weeks vacation and leave it at home, I think that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily see. And, again, I'm not complaining. You know, don't don't cry any tears for us, but it does make it a little bit more difficult than people assume.
1: It is a job. Yeah, it's a good job. It's a interesting job. But at the end of the day, would I do this for free? No, uh, right. Because you, know, you, you remember Lauren Caston, the, uh, who works on the score crew yeah, sure. for the Pistons. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, the other day, she she comes in there and she tells me. Um, uh, uh, it's, I can't remember the context of the conversation, but the line she does: people would kill to sit where James and Rod, other guys, to cover the Pistons, where we sit during games. I say, but okay, but would they would they kill to have to get be there at four o'clock? Would they kill to get there? Get have Ben Wallace slapping him in the chest? Would they kill being cussed out by Taysha and Prince? Would they kill <laughs> for the chance to leave an arena at one o'clock in the morning and knowing you gotta catch a six o'clock flight in the morning? Uh, <laughs> would they Would they kill for that? That's the part that people don't want to talk about. So no, they would kill for that. No, they would
0: kill. For that. No, yeah, they would kill for the seats, but then they want to be able to sit in the seats and have a couple pops and, and and catch a nice buzz and go, you know, take an Uber home at the End of the night. They don't want to have yeah. to go and ask Dwayne Casey after a 25 point blowout why his defense stinks so bad, right? Like, that's, that's yeah. the other part of it.
1: That's the part of it. Do they, do they would they kill to be uh, driving along trying to take your mother to dinner? And somebody texts you about a trade. Yeah. Do they kill for that? No. They
0: kill for that? <laughs> no, it's it, look, it's um, it's it, it is. It's a grind. We do it because we love it. Um, and and I, I think there's a lot of people again who, who would trade places with us. Um, but you get in, you do it for a little while, and and, out, they, and they, it's they, work. They,
1: they go- they leave screaming in a day. In a
0: day. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vince, congrats on everything. A great career. I know it's only the beginning for you. We won't see you on the beat anymore. Um, but certainly bigger and better things in the future. And can't wait to see you uh, on Wednesday night. First drinks on me, okay? Sure,
1: definitely, man. So we're going we're definitely getting a drink after the game. Yes, uh-huh.
0: absolutely, absolutely. I'll wrap up my postgame and, and cool I will head down it. there.
1: Sure. The, the cool part about it is this I am not I'm just following my story and I'm ready to rock. Okay.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. You get right. that done. I'll, I'll wrap up post game and I'll hit you up. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. All right, there he is, Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press, wrapping up his tenure this week. And as always, uh, you can follow Vince on Twitter. It is at Vincent underscore Ellis 56. This has been Magic Weekly. Jake Chapman here with you. Follow me on Twitter. It's at O M. back next week. Actually, we're off next week for the All-Star break. Back in two weeks with another edition of the Magic Weekly podcast.